welcome to the Reroll Multiple Martial Arts Podcast, where we explore the intersections between martial arts, society, and culture. I'm Elliot. I'm Danny. So Danny, what's going on in your、uh, mind right now? I was thinking about maybe extending or revisiting、uh, some topics from past conversations, but also in terms of、uh, where we kind of are recording today. You know, we we were just kind of talking about our appreciation of certain fighters,、uh, Felder dos An- versus dos Anjos.、Uh, we we caught the fight, we enjoyed it, and then we were just sharing our sense of like reflecting on 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 these fighters. And I thought about something we. Kind of started earlier, which was the sense of like, what role、uh, does sports play in our society? Is it escapism?、Um, are we living vicariously、um, through these fighters? And then I thought about also adding this element of like the ego or the self as a point of reflection to martial arts training. And then、um, I think there's there's a space here that we can kind of unpack or or extend the conversation, which has to ask us to question just like how can we talk about what we do, which is either our training or our appreciation of those that train and then perform as fighters. No, I think it's great. I mean, every time I, I do, you know. Talking about living vicariously through other people, you know, I think that is part of、uh, being a fan in a certain extent. And you know, there's people who I follow regularly, like George Saint Pierre. It's like, wow, this guy is has like such a, you know, his pers- public persona is is pretty good. He is always seems to be positive and stretching and doing things that、um, a lot of people. He's very unique and. You know, talking about you no know, Dos Anjos and Felder. I mean, it's great to see you know Felder really respecting the legacy of Dos Anjos, and you know、um, there wasn't much trash talk, and I kind of like that. I I like that. I was like, wow, like I I wasn't moved emotionally,、um, and I, I I like I like you know that that stripped down. Like, let's just focus on the fight. Let's just focus on technique, and oh, that that's that's something.、Um, I, I've been really into lately. I think there's a change in the way that MMA is、um, being, I guess, promoted, and boxing has had that for a long time. This idea of rivalries, and not just rivalries, but like real potential danger in the fight, because these people don't like each other. But when I think about fighters later on in their life, they、um, they seem to have great respect for one another. So there is either a growth that happens years later of saying like, yeah, I really appreciated you as a fighter,、um, or I appreciate you now, but at that time I really hated you, or it's just a performance. But I think for us as spectators, and some of us are are practitioners, I think it takes on a different form. I think about, for example, the way that I remember going to my very first jujitsu. Match as a spectator, and I hadn't. I had just started training a little bit, but I was so confused because everyone in the crowd had like cauliflower ear. So to me, 
Yeah, to me that was weird because I was like, oh, they all train. And I'm I, I was used to going to watch sports. Like for example, when you watch if you go to a basketball game or a baseball game, the stands are not full of basketball players and baseball players. That's and, no, go ahead. Well, that's go ahead. very unique in, in combat sports, MMA and stuff like that, because most of the audience trains. It's really interesting. I, I think it's 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 cool too, because it's like you know, you see everybody, oh, what gym are they coming from? Oh, what t-shirts are they wearing? And I think it's a, it's a really different, um, different vibe, but, but go ahead. It is a different vibe because surprisingly, I think it's a, it's similar to when I was a little kid and I used to do the, the karate tournaments. The karate tournaments are only filled with other people from other, other dojos or their family members. Hardly anyone goes to a karate tournament like, oh, there's a karate tournament this weekend. Let me go watch. No, it's that's not how it is. But surprisingly, what happens, it's a very tight-knit community. Even when you don't like each other, like you might have rivalries with the other schools. But you see that like everyone knows each other. And then later on, as I got older and I helped put, um, you know, operate them or keep them running, even like eventually I, w- I was a referee. Um so that was kind of exciting because, like I said, you grow through it. Like I remember being a white belt, going to my first karate tournament. And I remember being a black belt, being asked to sit and referee one of the fights. And then eventually we did that over and over. But I remember the same feeling. All of us were working so that if you wanted to go get nachos, you knew you were going to run into your, your mom or your cousin who was who was the vendor. Or if, if someone is holding... The I mean, collecting the tickets, it's all family run. And I don't think that's fair to say that the UFC is family run, but I feel that the the sports of MMA, even Muay Thai, so that like when we went to support you to your Muay Thai event, it felt the same. It felt the same sense of like, oh, this is someone's gym. And look, everybody who's the vendors, they know each other. It was a very different support system. And I think to try and connect it to what we're start, how we start this conversation is that I feel there's a divide between the escapist or living vicariously audience and those that practice, even when we watch the same sport. But could I, but I, I practice, but I also live vicariously through that, per, through other people, arguably. I mean, are you, are you saying that, that, does that work too? I think it does. It adds an element of um, complexity to the to that simple divide that I was going to say. Either you're in one group or the other. But I think about this in this way. When I went to my first jujitsu tournament, and I was, yeah, I, I was surprised that everyone that I saw had cauliflower. And I'm I'm exaggerating, but like, yeah, everyone that I saw was somewhat associated to a dojo and they were cheering fanatically but they were cheering in a way that was i don't know it was invested Hmm. like that's my buddy or that's my team uh especially in jiu-jitsu um i don't know if it's still like that but for a while it was going through teams you know are you atos are you gracie baja you know like are you are you part of these major schools and everyone is 
invested in the rivalry in the same way we talked about last week, where there is this like projection of maybe a simulation of a war. And that analysis, I still stand to. But there's a difference, I think, for some of us that will never know what it feels like to get choked out or have your arm hyperextended. And those of us that do know what it, what it, what it feels like and what it takes to train while we're both cheering. I think some of us are cheering and even being um, disconnected from the practice so that one of the things I notice is that like when I watch an MMA fight and I hear people boo, I was like, yeah, you're booing because you're bored because they're on the floor, but you have no idea how hard it is to be on the floor and get up or to be held against the cage and and be in the clinch. Like, you don't know how hard it, because people will say, why don't they just pull away? It's like, dude, have you tried that? <laughs> you can't just pull away. No, absolutely. You know, I was reading like the comments online and certain things they say. I'm like, no, that's not how it goes. And, you know, that's why I really like those fight breakdowns, you know, like Lawrence Kinshin and like, you know, other, other people who have been, um, you know, doing step-by-step explanations and analyses. I really appreciate it as someone who practices, you know, even seeing jujitsu, like I don't practice jujitsu, but I really like the step-by-step and how, um, the, the fighters are thinking like what's going on in their, in their mind. And, you know, um, I think it's, it's, it's funny. Yeah. When people boo, because, you know, one wrong step, one mistake, and the night is is, is over. And these are, it's huge. Um, wait, uh, side note though, do you have cauliflower ear? Because because you know you train for a while, you have a purple belt. You know, how, how are your ears going? I have a little bit, a very little bit, in the sense that like uh, the calcification is, if if I if I touch my ear, I can I can see the little knots. I can feel the knots. They're harder to see because it hasn't closed up it's in the so it's in the it's in the process of becoming more obvious but i was uh, one of those people that started wearing ear guards to my gym and um i'd love to eventually talk a little bit more about like gym culture but i'll, I'll just kind of say this one comment which is hilarious that like it was a it was a taboo oh they were like, why are you wearing them? No one in the gym wears them. And uh, they started calling me Princess Leia. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, it's funny because, you know, an acquaintance of mine has started getting his cauliflower ears getting uh, pretty intense. And they, um, one of his coaches was, was sucking the fluid out of his ears with a syringe. And he started wearing those, um, you know, the, the ear coverings. And, hey, I mean... It, seemed okay and he he's one of those like kind of you know tough guys you know so but regardless anyway um yeah cauliflower ear i I think it's i think it's it's kind of cool you know um but you know also living vicariously you know through people seeing seeing you know okay i'm gonna say this i i say man these people you know with like the the peak physical condition and you know, I'm just you know, people people are fighting on TV while 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 I'm eating like chips, you know, and drinking a beer. I'm like, all right, like, um, you know, it's it's hard because I'm not training for a, a competition. When I was training for a competition, I, I was strict. I was like, you know what, I'm not eating after 8 p.m. My diet was great, and you know, man, fat melted off my body. And I, I felt good, you know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how, 
being a fit, healthy person, like, you know, I remember if I just wanted to sprint, I could just like from zero, just, just sprint really fast. I'm like, wow, I feel great. But now I'm, I'm uh, in a different shape, but <laughs> regardless, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, you, you talking about people who don't train and living vicarious uh, through the fighters. Yeah. That is something that I, I don't want to see. It's easy to make fun because some of like the, you know, it gets kind of obnoxious to, to, to be a keyboard warrior, but um, man, I, I can't imagine, you know, some of these guys, like people in Thailand who like live at the gym or like, um, you know, just guys who, who, you know, fighters don't make that much money. You know, they're, they're getting beat up. I mean, it's better to be a, a coach or somebody, you know, and, and, you know, hearing, um, you know, watching, watching, uh, Korean zombie Chen Sung Jung, his, his, uh, YouTube videos talking about his training, what he goes through, you know, how he can take, uh, he doesn't want to do personal training because he'll make more money doing a, um, you know, a, a T being on TV, you know, for an interview or, or some sort of game show. And because he needs to supplement his income because he wouldn't be able to train without the supplementary income. It's, it's amazing. Like fame makes fame doesn't give anybody money. You know, people have to just be creative, you know, be entrepreneurs or the first or their own business in order to make ends meet. And as a fighter, you know, they're kind of like artists or like musicians. It's, it's not easy. You know, I, th I think there's a lot of romanticism in um, being a fighter. I think that's the place that we can kind of consider how this conversation connects in the sense that the part about living vicariously has to do with our perception of what is going on. You know, what happens when people sit down on their couch and see something on TV or even better when you go to the stadium. I think it's important to consider this. Your brain doesn't know the difference. Your brain responds with the same acceleration and excitement and threat as if you yourself were being chased down or running after or being hit. Um, so maybe there's something about really returning to this thing that you brought up last time, which kind of was saying, you know, like, is there something there about escape escapism? Uh, but are we also thinking about living vicariously? Um, and then I, I think about this conversation in this way that like, I think it's all of it. And then for some of us, it's different because some of us have never been in a position where someone is trying to choke you out. And ideally, it's it's out of choice, not like from a threat, you know. But some of us have, and we do that every Monday or every Tuesday. We find ourselves in situations where like, I remember laughing at one point of how ridiculous it was for me to, to know that I was putting myself every twice a week into positions where I was getting potentially choked out or having potentially my arm broken. Because my teammates... We're really trying to do that. Like when we do grappling, we really are trying to choke you out and we really are trying to break your arm. 
it's up to you to tell me to stop. But anyway, what happens when you've lived that and you see it on TV like yesterday? I feel that my brain was was going through those motions because I remembered it. I was like, oh, this is the part where I would pull my 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 arm in or this is where I would try and push out or I would relax here. My, I think I, w- I go into secondary mode of like passenger riding on that other person's training. And I wonder if there is a difference or maybe there is no difference, even if you haven't trained. You know, it was interesting, um, you know, hearing Michael Bisping's commentary, you know, him as a, a retired fighter and going through that, the, 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 you know, the mentality of first through fifth round and, you know, for one through three, you know, you know, as a corner person trying to get the fighter to focus on certain technical things, certain holes and, and improve on, 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 you know, the technique or, and capitalizing on, you know, your opponent's um, mishaps, but, you know, in the fourth and fifth round, you know, that goes out the window, you know, the coach is trying to uh, get something to um, trying to get the fighter to dig deep because it's all about heart. Now it's all about, you know, the finish line and, you know, um, you know, with, with a Dos Anjos and uh, Felder fight, you know, hearing Felder's corner, I'm saying, you know, do, do it for your family, you know, do it for your daughter, do it for, you know, and it, just get that emotion. You know, it's all about heart. It's all about just, just slugging it out. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, I haven't been in those fourth and fifth rounds um, in those situations. So it's really cool to see, um, a, you know, hear a commentator, you know, d- discuss things that, you know, connect those dots for a, a, an audience person like me who's never had that experience, who can only dream of it. Let me just kind of think about sidestepping or taking a tangent off the conversation a little bit to something we talked about early on in our first recordings. And that had to do with like this distinction of the martial artist. What was it or what is it? And as you reference that experience, I could only connect on something that I felt I saw growing up and that was this idea of pushing past your limits. But I want to return to it in this weird, I don't know, maybe it's weird, but to me it's like I never really wanted to do sports. And by sports, I mean like I never wanted to do karate competitions. I never wanted to do jiu-jitsu competitions. I never wanted to do Muay Thai competitions or judo. I'm thinking about all the different arts that I did. Um Taekwondo. The reason I didn't like competitions because they felt really fake. But let me tell you something that didn't feel fake. Preparing for the competitions never felt fake. What I mean by this is that I, I think I was pretty consistent in most of the dojos, even though they were never related. The the senseis, teachers. Uh, would always say something to this effect. If one of us is training, all of us are training. If one of us is going to compete, all of us are competing. So we would get pushed past exhaustion. I remember, um, yeah, I remember like a sensei, for example, we're, we're going through drills and the whole class is sweating and our legs are becoming jelly. And, and he would say things like, like 
This is where, you know, this is, this is where it counts. This is the last, you know, 10 minutes of the fight. Or sometimes they would change it and say, like, this is the street fight. This is where you have to fight for your life. These ridiculous things that, and I, I do say that I feel, I felt ridiculous because I was like, dude, I'm not going to fight. Why are you telling me that? I really felt annoyed. Like, you don't have to tell me that. Just keep telling me, don't give up like a trainer would. For example, if you go to a conditioning uh, coach on stamina, they tell you to not give up. But they don't tell you, like, don't give up because, like, the bad guy is chasing you right now. It's like, no, he's just saying keep running because you got a mile to go. And that's just conditioning. But in, in martial arts, it was always situated within the fight. Like, this is where it counts. It's the last round. Or more of the ones that I got to see was, like, this is where it counts. This is where the life and death situation. I remember one time I was in a grappling situation. And, and one of my buddies or senior instructors, friends, uh, was kind of coaching me, cheering me on. And then he started saying, like, this is the part where you're trying to defend, defend your family. The bad guy is, is, is about to take, you know, to go to the other room. And I was like, I wanted to stop. I was like, no, don't trigger me. <laughs> like, no, I don't need that image. I'm trying my best and I do not need to think about, like, actual violence right now. But I wanted to kind of uh, see if, if there was a conversation there about the good of, of martial arts for me was like, even when I think about that, I didn't appreciate it, the, the rhetoric of violence or scare tactics or, or real uh, threats. I did appreciate what would happen. The whole class pushed past the ridiculous. And I want to say this, Elliot, like we went into ridiculous mode where like as soon as he said, stop, you couldn't hold yourself up. You literally collapsed to the floor. But I really always thought it was magic that my body said, the teacher's still saying, go, 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 go. And my body goes like, as soon as he said, stop, my body was like, we're done. I gave you those 30 seconds which was more than you deserved. <laughs> and now I'm shutting down. And I always thought that was amazing. Like, how does this happen? That's some David Goggins stuff right there, pushing your body beyond. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, those stories. I mean, you know, I'm not training for a competition right now. So I'm just going to, right now during quarantine, I'm just going to, you know, in the carport, just doing these exercises. And it would be, you know, barely half of what I would do on a, you know, normal time at the gym, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, my arms are tired right now. I want to just like go back inside. But if I was at the gym, I'd still be hitting the bag and there's people around. So I, you know, spar with them and there'd be a lot of, a lot more going on. So it is, it's, it's the environment and um, the mind over matter, heart, you can't teach heart, you know, all those things. It's so true, you know, as, as cheesy as it is, you know, pushing past the limits, you know, you know, w one thing though, you know, pushing past the limits is, is amazing, but you know, the outdated mentality uh, of, of pain, uh, is gain or, um, you know, all those things, you know, work out, push, push, push through the injury is, is terrible. Um, you know, I've, I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've had minor injuries, and continue to train and it would just um be it would just elongate the, the you know the situation so but yeah i i 
that, that's that's what I wanted to say. I don't, I, I don't really have anything else because I mean, man, um, but it, it is all mind over matter because because th- there has to be an incentive, you know. I mean, like before before I started doing martial arts, what is the point of me going to the gym? I'm fine, but I need to do better. Once I, I if I'm training, I need to do better. I need to, you know, there, there, there's some sort of weird accountability there. And I think that's that's the that's the motivation. And maybe that's something that is part of the conversation on the audience appreciation of martial arts and sports in general. But I think there's something different about martial arts, especially uh, combat sports that differs from like, let's say when you watch a marathon or a sprinter on the Olympics, gymnasts, um, you know that they are doing something spectacular, something superb. But when you watch a competition where two athletes are hurting each other, I think there's something different. And that is the part that we've been trying to kind of make sense of. And that has to do with questioning, like, why do we appreciate it? Also thinking about what is going underneath, what's going on underneath our psyche or emotions as we get really invested. And I think there's a lot of things going on. One of the things that we've been referencing is the sense of how our minds cannot tell the difference that we are not literally in the match. And what I mean by that is that if we were to get like, patched up with sensors, you would see your muscles react and twitch. That's trippy. It, it twitches. When, when, when someone gets hit in the face, there's a, a, a response in your brain that like maybe you got hit in the face. <laughs> you know, and I think that's really magical. But then there's also something I want to add. Like I get it. That's physical. But what about like right now we were talking about Felder and Dos Anjos and the, and the respect that they had for one another. Uh, at the end of the fight, I saw them take a picture together. And I was really happy. So now I'm thinking about it this way. Was I happy? Because simply I thought, wow, great athletes, great respect, sportsmanship. Or was I also happy? Because I was like, that's the kind of fighter I would be. That's the kind of person I would be. And I return. I'm placing myself in their setting. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, like Conor McGregor. I think he's, you know, an ama- amazing skills, amazing technique. I'm just not that guy to just talk trash all the time and, you know, have that, 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 that kind of attitude, you know, spending a lot of money and, and all that stuff. It's, it's just not my thing. You know, I really like to say, for example, Khabib, who is a lot more humble, a lot more low key, who trained and just did his thing. You know, he talked on, on, you know, in the ring, you know, kind of like DC, Daniel Cormier, you know, you have that, that, that personality, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I forgot who was, who was saying, was it like, I think it was a Chell Sonnen who was saying, man, if, if DC said this and that, or this and that, he would just hype up the crowd and, you know, he would get famous like that. But DC just is not that personality, you know, it, it, it takes a, it takes a, it takes a type of person, but you, you saying, you know, uh, respecting the fighter because, you know, we want to, 
we want to be that fighter. I mean, I guess, you know, that's why I like GSP so much. Um, it's great. You know, maybe that's why I'm not as big of a fan of a John Jones, you know, that, that is kind of interesting. I've never really thought of that. I want to be that guy. I want to be that person. <laughs> we get opportunity. Well, we get an opportunity now to do something like that. I've recently been, um, you know, looking into getting a gaming console and I know the game I'll, I'll be getting, it'll be like a UFC game or something like that. And one of the things I was thinking about, as we talk about right now is that it seems that we're, we're reaching a point that in a conversation that kind of really says this, you know, if we can understand that sports in the United States or in the world is symbolic of something larger than just literally sports it can be a place where we project our sense of like romanticism, but also a physical need to compete because our bodies respond to that competition. Like I remember my, my uncle, for example, he's a big uh, soccer fan and he sweats, he screams at the, at the TV and he's sweating. Like he's actually running in there and he was a former soccer player. So similar like you and I, we know what it takes. So he's, able to connect in ways that take him back to memory to that period. But I also think about this sense that like, what if sports are also like meta narratives of the type of society we want, the type of characters we want to be, you know, does that give us even more credit or does it give it? Yeah. Does, does it give sports and combat even more credit? Because it's now when we say living vicariously, I don't know about you, but it almost sounded like, Someone could take it as that we were disrespecting our appreciation, but now I feel even more um, solid in my statement of saying like we can say living vicariously, but with like more respect or more consideration of how impactful sports are in our lives. No, I, I, I absolutely. You know, you know, you th you think of sports, you know, sports teams as you know a. a re my, you know, my, 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 my regional cluster is better than your regional cluster. And that's just that. And, you know, and, and, and just, just the, just the sake of geographical, you know, region, like, you know, like, like Dodgers, people will wear Dodgers because they're from LA or Southern California or something, you know? And I mean, that's like, it kind of has like a sense of pride a little bit, but you know, where, where is the, where is the line? Where do we draw the line? I mean, with, you know, combat sports, it's, it's, it's different because there's, there's violence and there's, you know, hurts, but at the end, you know, like, oh, we're only supposed to do it within, you know, these confines. Um, but, you know, I, I really liked your, um, you know, what you talked about sports as a meta narrative of society and how, you know, these people have so much impact, you know, it's these sports uh, athletes have so much, um, you know, so much influence. And, you know, actually there, there is a, um, a, a podcast that I've been kind of getting into called I am athlete it talks about these, you know, these football, former um, uh, football, baseball players and stuff. And it was, it was, it's really cool, you know, and, you know, them, this episode was them talking about money and, just because this athlete is famous doesn't mean that they're a millionaire and doesn't mean that 
their financial uh, situation will sustain them throughout their whole lives. And, you know, hearing these people talk about money and how to be responsible um, and telling, you know, potential uh, young people who would be athletes to be, you know, uh, responsible with their money and not just, you know, spend spend their first check of $500,000. That was like, it was really great to hear because it's not a lot of people talk about that. You know, not a lot of, you know, UFC fighters talk about how they spend money. And, and so we know when I hear, you know, Korean zombie, he's like, you know what he, you know, he spends $50,000 for a training camp. Wow. You know, that really puts into perspective, you know, of, 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 of life of these people, because they have to be their own safety net and they only have themselves to build that nest egg. No, and I think that's probably where where this conversation kind of takes on different perspectives because we've been trying to think about like the sense of like the audience um, as the key emphasis, but then we disconnect a lot from the sports athletes themselves, the combat athletes themselves as people. And maybe that's something that um, eventually we will talk a little bit about because I was really thinking about how when I look at sports, I find there's a loss of translation in what it looks like, what the field, the practice feels um, is in terms of the non-sports. So that you do Muay Thai. I started learning Muay Thai. I did karate for a long time. GSP did karate. And and when Machida, for example, entered uh, the UFC and started having great success with Shotokan karate, uh, that became ridiculous in the world, in the kind of like space of Shotokan. Why? Because they use the same term. He doesn't train in my dojo. I never even met Lyoto Machida. But somehow when I saw him do his stance, I was like, that's the same stance we do. You know, that's the reverse punch. And then when he would do his katas, like in the promos, I was like, that's the kata I do. That's taking Shodan. And anyway, this, this projection, as you mentioned, of teams. But... As we talk more and more, I'm just thinking about how complicated it is to try and get to this point of clarity. So that just when I think about like, oh, is is the audience living vicariously by investing in these fighters? We have a lot, you know, I think that we're able to get through. But then you introduce a, a different concept here by saying, can we talk about the fighters themselves? What's going on there? What is their relationship in our uh, seat? as the viewers you know and i think a lot of them are aware some of the best ones are are very blunt and they'll say like hey i'm nobody's role model i'm just a fighter and that that may sound horrible but i was like hey this person thought about it and they made a choice others haven't even thought about it they're just saying i'm just being me i was like you can't do that that's too naive i think you know we had a really great conversation and i think there's a lot of things a lot of morsels in there that we can uh, unpack uh, for, for the future. And um, well, with that said, this has been the Reroll Multiple Martial Arts Podcast, where we explore the intersections between martial arts society and culture. Until next time, it's too good.